Today is May 6th, Season 3, Episode 12, Decky Dangly. How are we? Ooh, man. Andy Creative, you are just taking a turn this season. This is incredible. I'm excited, man. We got Caleb Van Diemen on the podcast today. Your new boss. Absolutely. Caleb's a man. He's just a phenomenal dude. You know, we really dive into, like, human psychology and how that rip or uh, goes back into marketing. His story with being... Um, in a family with eight brothers, like just incredible times with backyard football, I'm assuming. Um, but other than that, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Walk on at Purdue, turned into digital marketer, now my boss. Yeah, just shout, a, a shout self-made entrepreneur. Yeah. Absolutely. The guy's crushing it, but you guys are going to absolutely love, love this conversation. Let's get after it. Where you're from is such a massive part of your story. It's where your journey begins, your origin. Your root. That's why Skyline Specs brings that out of us. Because they help you tell part of that story. And you look sweet while doing it. Skyline Specs comes in five different styles. Each pair features one of seven Skylines etched into their wooden temples. But dude, that's not enough. They're fully customizable too for your brand or whatever you want. So go check them out at SkylineSpecs.com. That's S-K-Y-L-I-N-E-S-P-E-C-S dot com. Start at your roots and tell your story with Skyline Specs. Demon, thank you for coming on the Back Pocket Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, you thanked them before we even started. Oh, yeah, I had to. Yeah. I, I haven't yeah. done anything yet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you earned it. because We'll, we'll just... see how this goes. But... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know, we, we always do. We show gratitude to our guests. We yeah, just we're gotta, humble here. Yeah, we're humble guys, so yeah. that's just how it works. We recognize real, too. Yeah, absolutely. Caleb, absolute real person. We've been, you know, <laughs> having the pleasure to get to know you for... I want to say I met you at Gary V back in uh, yep. August, I think, was the first time I met you. That was the spot. Yeah, I met a lot of cool people through that, huh? That was wild. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Lincoln Drink, too. Mm-hmm. Lincoln Drink, well, technically Lincoln Drink 001, the first one. That's right, that yeah. That was an absolute blast. That was true. I was sitting next to you guys. Um, I was drinking kombucha. You guys were drinking beers. Yep. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> What is it with you in the in the kombucha? Like, if you're going to, well, like, if, what's your what's your, what's the deal with it? I just like that it's it's fizzy, it's cold, and so when I, in a situation where I might want a beer, then I usually just go for kombucha mm. instead, because I've never drank 22 kombuchas and lost my car and, you know, done something I regret, but mm. uh, I have with beer for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I like mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, Caleb, um, we know you very well, but our marketing interns don't, so if you could give a brief background of who you are. Um, and let's start with you're from Indianapolis and kind of the progression from college to mm-hmm. uh, finding digital marketing. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, back in the year of 1987. <laughs> no, so, um, yeah, starting back at, at college, uh, I went to Purdue University, went there to play football. That was the only thing that existed in my in my world. And as far as I could see into the future, and I think that's probably common with a lot of 16, 17, 18 year olds. Um, having a pretty short time horizon, but went to Purdue to to play football. Um, 
was studying fisheries and aquatic science because I just love to fish and, and I love to play football. And again, pretty short, um, you know, scope of uh, opportunity or, or uh, a pretty short picture of the future at that point in time. But started realizing quickly I had to figure out how to make money and uh, real life was uh, hitting me hard. So after college, start, so I started learning about internet marketing. That was 2006. So it wasn't really, you know, internet internet marketing when I was telling people that's what I was doing. They're like, man, that's a scam. There's You, you don't you can't make money on the internet. Man. Yep. Um, but but I did and uh, started doing some website stuff, all, all sorts of different things. And I ended up, I dropped out of school. Really? Um, yeah, because I was doing, you know, Football is a full-time gig. Um, I was doing 24 hours of uh, credit hours uh, in a semester, working 48 hours or 40 hours a week because I was paying my way through school because I walked on at Purdue. And uh, I don't know, I, I w- didn't do so great at math there, but I mean, whether you're good at math or not, like there's not that many hours in a in a week. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, so I was burnt out. Um, sort of disillusioned with with everything that I was w- was doing and starting to realize hey you know I guess I can't play football like forever um and I can't just make a living fishing um some guys do and kudos to them but I couldn't yeah kudos but, to yeah. those guys what <laughs> yeah. kind of fishing were you doing at that time uh so I was studying like fisheries and aquatic science it's okay. like marine biology um but I picked it because I, I literally walked into the admissions counselor and sitting there and she's talking about you know different majors and i just saw a picture on the wall of a guy in a boat with a with a net and i'm like what's that major that looks cool she's like that's fisheries and aquatic science I'm like all right sure let's do that that looks similar to sign fishing. me up yo I'll, yeah. I'll, i'm doing that <laughs> yeah yep um so anyway so you know after making a decision to leave school i actually moved down to florida down to tampa with some family friends of mine and I lived in this house that was, you know, this giant house on Tampa Bay. Um, you know, Justin Timberlake lived in that neighborhood at one point, you know, this huge mansion. But this guy, um, he built the house himself because he's a builder, but he built these luxury waterfront homes. And he wanted me to come down there and help him, you know, market that uh, market that new housing community that he was mm-hmm. building. So did that for a while, but that's where I got my, my start, my first opportunity. And man, since then I've been doing a lot of different things, um, in a lot of different disciplines, but I've been in the digital marketing game for about 10 years. Holy That's doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So did this guy pull you out of college pretty much? He like, or was he your client? No. So as, like I said, he's a family friend of mine and it was interesting because he sort of have a similar story. Uh, to me, he went to Florida State to play football as mm. a linebacker, and I always just love the guy because he's so curious, like he's so interesting and has all these wild ideas, but I was having a conversation with him, and I was telling him about the things I was excited about, what I was learning about, and he is someone who had this, the vision, and you know, he probably saw a kindred spirit in me, and he said, hey, if you ever just are done with school, let me know, because I could use your help and and you just come and work with me. Didn't take very long. Wow. <laughs> and I uh, called in that favor and headed headed down south. So That's crazy. So what was like the transition like going into Purdue? Mm-hmm. Wanting to, all you were thinking about that short horizon you mentioned was football. Mm-hmm. You know, Andrew and I get like that all the time. It's like, football, oh, yeah. football, football, football. Yeah. football. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like you're, that's all you think about. And mm-hmm. then you go from that mindset to 
all right, I need to make money. There's not enough hours in the day. And like almost reality just kind of slaps you right in the face. Yeah. How did you kind of respond? What'd you do to, mm-hmm. you know, make that next transition and know it was the right time to do so? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know that it was as much a decision as much as just, I couldn't, I couldn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just so burnt out and so exhausted and I just wasn't, you know, my heart wasn't in that whatsoever. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you the truth, like after that, that's a really hard transition because my identity and my value, my self-worth was so tied up in football, right? Mm-hmm. And all of my, you know, everything that I had pursued up until that point was all in or in orientation of like that moment, right? I'd been singing the Purdue fight song since I was in first grade and um, I had six older brothers. I have eight brothers. So you have yeah. eight brothers. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah, eight brothers. Six of whom went to Purdue before me. So wow. I had you know forty other scholarship offers. But I'm like, nope. This is my moment. This is my destination. This is what I'm doing. Right. Whoa. And so so much of my identity was tied up into that being good at football. You know, I'm I Caleb Bandeem, and I'm the guy who's good at football, good at sports, like good at athletics. Um, but when that was no longer a part of my identity or a part of my, you know, history, no longer my present identity or my future. That was a real challenge because then it's like, well, who am I? Um, and I think that's something, the older that I get, the more important that I realize, uh, the more important it becomes to me that my identity is never what I do. And it's never like an accomplishment that I, um, have, you know, checked off or it, it's a, it has to be fluid, you know, and it has to be my, it has to be my qualities and, you know, what I value or mm. the things, the way I treat people or it's um, always evolving. Yeah. It has to be evolving because if, if that breaks, then, you know, your, your identity breaks and then you're nothing. And that's a, not a good place to be. Yeah. So I'm curious on where you found like the um, passion to get like so entrenched in this psychology, sociology aspects. And was it mm-hmm. that first job that that guy that pulled you down to Tampa? Did he play a role into it? Because I mean, mm-hmm. having the ability to pull yourself away from that identity is so difficult. Yeah. So I don't know that I had, I, I guess I've always just been like a real um, student of people and, you know, just, be, you know, being very observational and I had read some books and, you know, I've always liked to read. Um, but one book that I read was a book about acting. Um, it was a book about method acting. Um, Stanislavski's, uh, is a, like an old, uh, an old playwright, um, who maybe I'm going to get the the names wrong, but anyways, I got on this kick about method acting Stanislavski and, um, you hear that Sam? You want to look that up for him? Look him up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, so there's a guy who started a, a school of, you know, method acting here. Um, there is someone in the, the, the concept, the movement was started in uh, Russia, I believe. But mm. anyways, read this, this book. And I just thought it was so interesting to be, yeah. what you got? Well, it's just the, uh, let me say it louder. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the <laughs> technique 
technique of acting in which an actor aspires to complete emotional identification with a part. I've actually mm-hmm. heard about this before. Yeah. Oh, Joker. Yep. Uh, yeah. Big one. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's Take it's. Yeah. Hey, yeah. So it's basically you, we're just flowing. But anyways, method yeah. acting. <laughs> method acting. Yeah. So it's it, it's the uh, the process of like really understanding a character's motivations so earnestly and deeply and thoroughly mm. that you can act as if you had those same motivations and for whatever reason i just put the the two together you know read that at the right time when i was also learning about learning about um marketing and and um you know how to use the internet to make money and i thought well man like the more that you understand people the more that you can not only um you know be a better listener but you can be a better communicator uh and Mm. it goes both ways and so that has uh been like just a persistent thread in in my life and uh you know a lot of marketers talk about about social psychology or talk about like the 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 science behind behavior Mm. but the more that i learn about psychology and and uh behavioral um you know the, the way that we make decisions the way that we think the way that we process things the more that I realize that most marketers are really operating off of like a super um, shallow tool set and there's mm. so much more. It, it's usually the same principles that the marketers before them or that they learned from have regurgitated to them. But, you know, you dive into the real literature and that, man, that stuff's been super interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool how um, that, like that methodology, you, you took it from the perspective of these actors are um, becoming these personalities and they're um, that they are learning from their traits and then they do that in their um, their role, their skit, whatever it may be. But you looked at it as a way of um, they saw that relationship. Um, and now you, instead of becoming that you're appreciating that you're seeing it, you're understanding it so that you can, um, totally grasp everything that they're doing instead of becoming that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think something else, maybe what um, primed me for that being valuable was the fact that I had eight brothers, mm. still have eight brothers, but that I grew up with eight brothers that are pretty different. There are some things we share and you know that we, we have a common history, right? But you have to learn how to get along with people that are different than you. And mm. in order to do that, you have to understand people that are different than you. Um, probably growing up, my dad's a, a pastor and growing up like with just surrounded by people all the time. My family, you know, the church, um, my dad did a ton of missionary stuff. A lot of my brothers do missionary stuff. Um, we always have just random people staying in our house. Uh, we always, I mean, there's just so many people that I've always been surrounded by. So, um, I have always just been, it's been, that was such a gift to be exposed to so many like very different cultures and worldviews and um, different types of people from different types of places. Um, And even within my own home, you know, so I I had to, the more I understand other people, the more that I can communicate and the more, you know, grace and appreciation there is um, both ways, I think. I think it's like the lack of tension. Yeah, because I, I always go. I'm same kind of way. I have mm-hmm. um, four younger siblings, mm-hmm. and our house is crazy. I mean, they have just people running around all the time. Yeah. And if you don't like 
take that extra effort to understand someone else like that compassion route mm-hmm. then tension starts to build and yeah. you can't really operate as a family as mm-hmm. a team as anything if there's a ton of tension mm-hmm. and so that's why I, I don't know i'm starting to realize like maybe that's why i'm always so empathetic and not wanting people to be pissed off at me like that's like my one thing is like if people are mad at me then like mm-hmm. that affects my whole day yeah and so i always try and do a lot of things not to just please people but like living a life where you're understanding others and yeah. i i think it has a lot to do with being from a big family because yeah. like, i mean eight dudes in a faint like <laughs> older brothers that sounds so bananas yeah man it was uh it was a wild experience. how was backyard football oh it was uh all the time you know and it was it was brutal right yeah uh, so as as much as there's you know i'm talking about like the the grace and understanding and uh in the kindred spirits and the woo woo rah rah kind of stuff um it was not always grace and understanding like we we came to understand stand each other sometimes by you know brutal um just Force. force right oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah each of us i always think that one of the funniest things is that all of us knew how to drywall by the time we're like 10 years old because you know at that point you're you're you progress from like you know little um tag fights to like shoving people's head through the walls and you know punching through doors and stuff like that um so <laughs> that my dad so yeah we always just had a stack of drywall um in the garage all the drywall stuff and then yep once you're like okay Luke pushed someone's head through the wall. You better have that patched up by tomorrow, you know. <laughs> no way, dude. That's yeah. hilarious. You know where yeah. the drywall is. Yeah. yeah. So the What was the age gap from oldest to youngest? So there's 17 years between oh, the top and so the bottom. Old. Where were you at? I'm um, the seventh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is so mm-hmm. great. That's like such an insane or such a unique lifestyle mm-hmm. and family life. Um. So you're in Tampa Bay mm-hmm. at this time mm-hmm. um, and – is this a t- has this been a common path for um, other of your family, or are you going no. out on a limb? No, it's pretty, making your own name kind of thing. It's entirely foreign. I think there's you know a lot of entrepreneurs um, in my family. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of hustlers in my family. Um, I've seen all of my brothers, um, you know, do a lot, take a lot of risk, and and do things sort of the. Um, non-confirmational way, right? Their non-traditional way. Um, but no, the marketing world that I'm the only one in, in that still. So, um, yeah, it was kind of random how I, how I came up, came upon it, but it hooked me and I've never, never put it down, you know? Yeah. I remember what you were telling me, uh, I think back when we were hanging out with me, you and Nick at that, uh, where were we hanging out? That was like oh, an Indian, yeah, Indian food Indian, place? Indian off, buffet. What yeah. was that off Grand? No, it was uh, the Tibet. It was uh, Everest. That's Everest. What it was. So right. good, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Everest. Not a sponsor, but making great <laughs> Indian food. Um, you told me, you started the sentence, you were like, the same way I market and acquire new clients was the same way I found my wife and my brother's wife. Yeah. yeah. Can you expand on that? Because that's like one of my favorite stories and just really good unpacking of like how sure. you do what you do. Yeah, so I think the that was like an epiphany I had in the, in yeah. the shower on my way there. I <laughs> yeah. thought that was so funny. I'm like, I was trying to explain something to Nick, right, about how... Not easy thing to do. <laughs> Shout out Nick. I was like, well, how can I do this in like 30 seconds, you know, <laughs> right. while I have this attention span, um, while I have his full attention. Yep. So I was trying to think of it and probably because, you know, sitting in the... Um, front row of my dad's church all the time and you know him preaching in analogies um i 
I use analogies all the time um, to explain everything, whether it's good or bad. That's what I do. So I'm trying to think of this analogy and I'm like, holy shit, like I've been doing exactly the same thing. What I'm trying to explain to, to Nick about my the way I approach marketing is exactly the way I approached how to find my wife. So the story, I'll try to give the abbreviated version, but you, you uh, can take as much time as you'd like. <laughs> it's a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So I going to Purdue that summer beforehand. Um, so just to add a little bit of context, I came from a pretty small town in Indiana. And when you are, you know, football star, um, when you're as ruggedly handsome as I am, um, mm, and very true. Yeah. And, you know, super, super down to earth and humble, obviously, but, um, you, you check all the boxes. That's right. Yeah. So it's so a big fish coming from a, you know, a big fish because it's coming from a very small pond. Um, I had a lot of confidence and went to Purdue and I'm like, Oh man, there's going to be 40,000 students. That's roughly 20,000 women. I'm going to be there for four years. And so how am I going to meet all of them? That's just, there's not, it's not effective. Right. So I was thinking, well, that, so 2006, that's the first year Facebook came out. Right. Um, or at least my first exposure to, it. I think it was 2004, you know, in, in that, in that um, realm, that time period. But I went on Facebook at that point, you could do like an advanced search. And I had this idea. I said, well, I need to go find all of the, incoming freshmen that are going to be um, coming into Purdue that are from out of state um, that are women. And then I'm going to send them a, you know, just a copy and paste letter and, you know, position them as like, I'm their guide because I, you know, I've got however many siblings that have been there. And I think we should be, you know, we should go meet each other. Um, so that way they have an ally, right? Mm. Just very kind, thoughtful, unselfish motivations, right? Mm. Um, ally. Yeah, an ally. Um, so creepy to do that right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then it was it was like, oh, I got a message. Great. Yeah. Right. Um, but anyway, so the, the, the funny part about that um, is just that I was trying to think about what's a more scalable like way to, to meet people, right? Right. Because going and like introducing to my, myself to people – one by one is not effective. Um, but that like mindset, that kind of got me started on thinking about like, okay, well, what, what are some other ideas that I could have? Obviously, um, you can see that th the thread is that I did not care very much about my education <laughs> at that point in time. <laughs> it's like football, fishing, and, um, chicks. and meeting <laughs> chicks, right? That's it. No. Um, so then the, the next idea I had on my first day of school was that, you know, when I walk into a class, I'm not going to show up early because that's what everybody else is going to do. I'm going to show up late. You know why? Because when you walk into a, a packed room, you're the last one in. There's no one that's sitting next to the prettiest girl in the room because nobody has the guts, Right. They might be close, but they don't. They feel intimidated, right? That's scary. But I didn't care. So I walked in, waited outside the hall, you know, once everybody filtered in. Then I walked in the front door. That way I had the, the full view. Um, you know, walked in the front door, made a terrible first impression with my teacher. She's like, it's a first day. You can't even show up on time your first day. Um, 
you know, ruin my chance of like getting any grace if I was on the bubble. Um, Did you have to like exchange any dialogue? And she said that and you're like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) There's a reason. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah. So I walked in, you know, uh, front of the room, got the, the evil stare from the professor. But sure enough, I see a, just a few empty seats, but one of them is between, you know, these two beautiful young women. And so I sat right between the two of them. And ultimately, I married one of them and my brother married the other one. So it's a real. What? Yeah. So it's a real creepy story. And, um, you know, I'm not really uh, proud of my intentions at the time. Um, but it worked. But it worked. It's not creepy if it works, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, do you remember the class? Like, uh... Yeah, it was it was. Uh, it was a math class. I think it was just like algebra. It was out, you know, algebra like basic. It was uh, college algebra. Basic, mm-hmm. Yeah, basic. Was this algebra. freshman? This was his freshman year. Yeah, first class, first day. Um, yeah, nine a.m. So nine oh five for me. But, yeah. yeah. Wow. This begs the question: Does mm-hmm. uh, does she finish school? Did she? Yeah. Yeah. She okay. Did. Yep. She finished school. Shout out to your wife. Yeah. Yeah. So she was there for you know more true more honest reasons more honest mm-hmm. reasons yeah yep. mm-hmm. she had better intentions she showed mm-hmm. up to class on time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you should interview your wife actually <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should yeah so okay but then so going like using mm-hmm. that kind of model mm-hmm. as creepy as it may be or as mm-hmm. as you know however whatever the means and methods were intentions mm-hmm. at the time that kind of served as your basis and like you said your epiphany of like oh mm-hmm. i market this way and i acquire co- clients the same way could you kind of dive into like yeah how that kind of works? hundred percent. No. Um, so what I was trying to explain about the way that I view marketing is that I don't, it's not about like tactics. It's not about the tricks. It's not even about the platform, the technology or anything like that. It is about just how people like come to know and understand and appreciate, build an impression and, and, you know, build a desire, understanding or, um, appreciation or need for a product and that is very similar to the way that we come to know and like and trust and you know build relationships with people and that's not a very you know that's not a groundbreaking um thing to say epiphany right but what i was thinking at that point is how do i so i'm thinking about breaking down and and mapping out the the way that i can speed up the process of like finding a, um, you know, of the relationship building process because Mm -hmm. I want to get to meet people and I want to break those, those boundaries, uh, as effectively as possible, leveraging technology, right. Leveraging systems and, and, uh, and scalability. So the, uh, the advanced filter and copy and paste, um, you know, tactic, um, you know, before I even got there to campus and then my thought process with, um, you know, with going into class late, I'm trying to think about like, how does, uh, you know, how does this process work and how can I, you know, whether leverage technology or, you know, use a different approach to speed up the process. And now where, where it's so similar is because there are, my feet are always in two lanes and one is technology is really trying to understand the tools, try to understand data analytics, trying to understand, um, you know, all of these, all of the amazing capabilities that you can have by really understanding, you know, the tool set. But 
that is pretty, uh, you know, pretty ineffective, and it, and it's just it's uh, there's a lot of dead ends there, unless you are also really learning constantly how to better understand why do people make the decisions that they do, what do people value, um, what are the things that they're afraid of, what are the things that they that motivate them. What are the things that excite them, um, make them feel worthy, that make them feel, you know, um, any kind of way? Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, those seem like like things that are on polar sides, uh, you know, on, on the opposite side of, uh, of a coin um, and on polar extremes in terms of where they are, you know, the topics. But that's always been what's fascinated me. One of the coolest things that I've already picked up on like two days into working with you is the that exact thing, the the why the consumers act the way they do, but the way that you go about it is the performance metrics behind it. Like that's something that I never even crossed my mind was tracking that um, in a numerical way. Um, like I just think very interpersonally um, through my major and everything. Like that's just the, the why just becomes... Like they do it because it's full of passion or because you're thinking more subjectively, subjectively, mm-hmm. 100%. And that's almost everything I do. Mm-hmm. Um, never really thought about measuring that in a sense from a consumer standpoint of, mm-hmm. and finding the tendencies that way. Yeah. And when we were going through that chart today mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I crushed that. And then you're like, what? <laughs> let's go back and now let's do the performance metric. And I was like, how do you, how do you even start? Like, what does that even mean? And then when we got, when we started going through, I was like, Oh wow. Like, okay, mm-hmm. this makes sense. Now you can actually, um, chop it up week by week and see the level of passion. And mm-hmm. if it, if it stands through, um, longevity and through friction and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Now I understand where this is, where this is headed. What are you talking yeah. about? Like a chart, what chart was this? I just want to get some context yeah. to what you're saying. So yeah. what, um, yeah, so we were talking about we were breaking down like a marketing campaign mm. into its different elements. Um, and after we had kind of like broken it down, like here is what the awareness stage of this campaign looks like. Right. We had broken down like all of the um, like you talked about, the subjective elements of it. But then going back, we're like, OK, well, let's figure out how do we, you know, put empirical data behind this so that it's not just like try harder and do better. Right. How do we make this all part of a big one big equation that we have the ability to influence and control and understand. Right. Um, So, yeah. And I think it's sort of an extension of the concept that we talked about a little bit, which to me is so fascinating, but it's that um, a lot of art is really just someone's you know it's a someone's scientific approach that um or i should say a lot of art or a lot of science is described as art yes right yes that's it but it's really it's just someone's got a um has taken the approach to be a student of it to such a degree that they can present it flawlessly right yes. so let's talk about like comedy right so someone might say oh someone is a brilliant uh uh, comic, right? They're an artist. They are just exceptionally talented at that that craft. But you know, you you uh, go back in time, and they may not have always been funny. And even if they were, that's a learned skill 
for most people. I mean, a kid, I've got a little three-year-old and she sees me laugh and she repeats that behavior. And it's just the feedback loop because she wants to continue doing things that um, make the people around her happy or make her happy, you know, her feel validated or whatever. So someone who gets really in tune with that at a young age and continues pursuing that, they are, I mean, that's what science is, right? It's, it's putting out a, a test that you've got a hypothesis, you test it, you take the results, and then you adjust accordingly. And so if they have that feedback loop their whole life with the objective to try to get people to laugh because it makes people around them happy or it makes them happy, then, you know, 30 years down the road, it's like, well, they are an artist. Mm. But are they an artist or are they, they a scientist? They're a craftsman. Yeah, they're a craftsman. And they're the one, and they're using kind of the scientific method mm-hmm. to um, prove or actually improve yeah. that craft. Yeah, and I I can totally see where you're going. Sure, and I and so I sort of think about that in a lot of things because I think we get intimidated or we avoid things because like, well, that's an art form, and I'm not good at that art form. Um, I'm not talented at that. But my belief is well. Every art form is, you know, it is a learned skill, like to some degree. Of course, there are people that are just like super creative. Um, they're talented. They, at yeah, it. they're talented, and they and they may be like so far ahead of me that I'll never catch up. But I can do a pretty passable job at you know most anything if I break it down into its parts. And so, if you're passionate about and it, and if you're passionate about it, you stick with it. Yeah, sure. It was funny. I was at uh, my flight got canceled last week, and my I um, got to go to my sister's soccer game, and during halftime, there all the kids like ran out on the field. But I noticed this one kid who was like playing lacrosse and just like chasing the ball around for hours. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that used to be me. Like when I first picked up the lacrosse stick in fifth grade, like the only thing I was doing was playing lacrosse. And I was like, mm-hmm. but also every kid was like by the time you were like seven, you had you were you had played soccer, t-ball, probably like did karate and like four other things and it was all stemmed from like hey mom can i go play soccer mm-hmm. so i signed you up for the rec league team you go and play mm-hmm. you test it out see if you like it bag it after a couple of years if you mm-hmm. weren't good at it mm-hmm. hey mom can i go play t-ball play it hit a home run run a couple run around the bases oh i like this right stick with it get better get better mm-hmm. comes to a point maybe in high school oh, not that good bag it hey mom can i play football third third fourth grade you love it it's the best thing in the world you can't stop putting on those pads you look in the mirror, you got your pads on, helmet on, can't just can't stop. Right? Mm-hmm. Keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. You in high school, you're actually still pretty good. Keep doing it, go to college, boom. Mm-hmm. Now you're now you're a college football player. Yeah. Right? But like it all like you said, it all mm-hmm. starts. We all started right when we were mm-hmm. five, six years old. And it was that feedback loop. Mm-hmm. Just keep going, keep mm-hmm. going. It's freaking sick. Yeah, it's something I think was so fascinating. I think I'm pretty sure that that it was Kobe Bryant but his story about him as a like a young player how bad he was and how far behind he was but the Michael Jordan example too right? yeah sure sure um the the thing about Kobe though like he broke it down I think in that book uh something Mamba is that Black Mamba the book? that's his nickname yeah. so yeah, probably yeah, yeah. So, I assume that's a book yeah, yeah so <laughs> Sam is it a book it's a book. I'm, it's a book. I couldn't remember book. what the title was, but yeah, Black Mamba. So he he was just breaking down like the number of hours that most kids practice basketball in high school. And like he had that epiphany that, well, if it's 
five hours a week and you're in you know four years and even if you play over the summer like that's 250 hours or something like that and so he just decided well if i do 500 hours or whatever it is i should be twice as good as these kids because the biggest differentiator between us is not you know not just physical ability it's practice it's skill development Hmm. right because we're all pretty early in that game but um the way you know the as the as the story goes and slash as i remember it is that as his like physical um abilities started catching up to all of the extra hours hours he was putting in in development like he just blew everybody away like Mm. in a very short amount of time and i think that's can be true like of anything and that certainly was the case for me after you know transitioning from football as my identity and that's what i spent like all of my time and energy trying to figure out how do i get just one percent better at um i spent all of my time trying to understand that craft and even so after after florida i moved back home and i was so focused on my craft that i didn't even tell anybody that i moved back home because i didn't want to be interrupted um so i worked a lot i worked like 70 hours a week Um, and I didn't make very much money because I just had to, um, you know, after, so that was 2008 was when I was down in Tampa as the, the economic, you know, bubble, the Mm. housing, uh, the recession, recession, your big short movie, Sam, the big short. Yeah. So that's Sam's favorite movie. Yeah. Everyone. Mamba mentality. mentality. Thank you, Sam. Oh God. That's so good. That's also a good movie. Yeah. (laughs) Guys who are, you know, thinking, uh, thinking about a third way, right? Thinking outside the box. Mm-hmm. But um, anyways, that's a great for that, uh, a great backdrop for that movie, but a terrible backdrop when you're trying to sell, you know, $20 million luxury houses. <laughs> oh, when you're in real estate. Yeah, when you're in real <laughs> estate. So so I packed up and went back home, but um, I uh, just doing like whatever jobs that I could do so that I could make enough money and still focus on my, you know, learning the, yeah. the marketing game uh, even more because that's what I knew I wanted to do. But I would go home and I, I would read and had like a giant three ring binder that I just wrote down every single thing. Um, because that's, you got to also understand I did, I'm not like a technology. I did not come from like a technology background. That was something that had a zero interest to me. I wanted to go and study fishing, right? <laughs> I was not technology was like not anything that was familiar to me. So I got this binder because I would be trying to read and learn these uh, the, these concepts in the book, you know, in any book. But there's so many words, like the one page, be like, okay, well, you need to just update the operating system with the, um, you know, and use a, um, you know, use a programmatic language that will, you know, it's like, oh my God, this none of this makes sense. Like I have to break down this one sentence. I have to study. I have to go get a dictionary to look up five of this words in this 10 word sentence. Um, but I would just write down the definition of every single word. Um, and eventually then those, you know, those concepts started all coming together and I'm like, Oh, now I mapping out all these different parts because it's like all foreign to me in the beginning. Um, but I did that until some stuff started clicking and I started trying some stuff out and Dang, dude. And this is you coming home from your, uh, is this this when you're working taxidermy? Yes. Mm. Yep. And that is a, the taxidermy is a great part of my story because that is 
an art form, right? That's art. Sure. It is. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So, yeah, the uh, we were talking about the Gary V story, uh, the Gary V event. So. Mm-hmm. I was one who picked up Theo Vaughn from the airport and drove him down there. Yeah, dude. And I, so I was telling him that my first job was a taxidermist. That was a question he asked. We were just talking about, you know, dumb jobs, silly jobs that we've had in, a, in the past. But yeah. So he went on to his podcast and he's like, yeah, man, this, this guy driving me into the dark arts doing this taxidermy stuff and these raccoons, bungholes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I remember yeah. watching that. Yeah. <laughs> So, I'm going to grab that, that was, video. Yeah, that's perfect. That's like my proudest moment in taxidermy is getting made fun of by Theo Von. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The yeah. dark so, arts, dude. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, but no joke. It really is an art form uh, because you're trying to you are trying to recreate something that's alive. And there is no harder task in, in, in painting, sculpting, and drawing than to try to, like, draw faces. That's why, like, a lot of sculptors um, or, or artists – or some of them will just not draw the faces because it can distract from the rest of the form because you get so focused on like, Oh, well their eyes are not in perfect uh, symmetry. And so that looks funny, right? They look a little bit like Bernie Mac or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whoever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is a really difficult art form and it's so much painting. I mean, yeah, it's a dead animal in the beginning, but it, you turn it into leather, then it's all just clays and epoxies and, um, I mean, it's mainly just painting and sculpting. So that's an art form, but we're doing it commercially. So it has to be in a, like a assembly line kind of factory process. Right. So that's another extension of the idea about taking an art form and breaking it down into the parts and into a science, into a, you know, a process so that you can make it more fi- effective, predictable, um, and influenceable, right? Yeah. So dang. Mm-hmm. what's cool is like, you know, going through all these different like stages, seasons of your life mm-hmm. and going back to my analogy of like when you were five years old and everybody was playing like rec league soccer. Mm-hmm. I feel like when your stage of life at that time and kind of where we're at now, too, as 22, 23 year olds is it's kind of an open playing field. Like we just mm-hmm. graduated college. Yeah, we mm-hmm. have degrees. Yeah. But like we don't really know what we want to do yet Mm -hmm. and you have like this season of life where you're just kind of trying and testing things out and like Mm -hmm. seeing what art form you want to improve on yeah because it's it's rewarding to you when you can accomplish something or that Mm -hmm. when that feedback loop comes back you want to just push it right back out again yeah well i think that's a that's a like a some a, a topic that's really near and dear to my heart is that um concept of like picking your um, lane right yeah. for your future because I think that's something that we really overemphasize and again I mean I think for myself because that was a hard such a hard transition um, going from like or adjusting my expectations after I had decided like my lane is football right right um, and then after that having to to try to develop like a identity that's not fixed you know my identity became I am a student, right? And I'm someone who just is going to continue to try to learn things. Um, so it, as it relates to like picking your lane, I don't think that that's very important. You know, the destination, I think the more that you can like just really be engaged in the process, I think one, it makes it like way more interesting. Um, it makes it way more satisfying 
you're going to get better at it faster and you're going to find the parts that like truly interest you and that may and most likely will like evolve into something you cannot possibly predict um because like you go out and you're like i want to be a i want to um trade stocks right i want to do investment banking i want to um work in sports marketing like that's one of those things just like you think well, i'm going to buy this car like once you get to those like destinations, your life doesn't change that much. You know, same with like making a certain amount of money. Like it just does not change your life very little. But what does change your life is like constantly doing something that is interesting to you um, and that is satisfying to you. So just as much as like mowing your grass instead of like treating it like a, just a chore you got to get through that you hate. Like the more you are engaged in how do I do this as effectively as I can, right? Anybody ever do that? Think about like, what's oh, the, yeah. what is the fewest passes I can do? You right? go around, like what's the most efficient <laughs> way I can cover my lawn? Yeah. <laughs> or if you've ever been like super bored in your life um, and you just start like having to entertain yourself, like you zoom into like the minutia, like the most detailed things of something. Or if you've ever had to do something like thousands of times, like if you're doing taxidermy, for example, or if you're doing like a factory job, that would be like really unfulfilling depending on what perspective that you have or what part of it you're focusing on. But I think if you're engaged in like the moment, uh, I think that like can become more interesting and like you start zooming into these parts of anything and it becomes interesting and rewarding and then you get good at it. And then if you're good at it, then opportunities pop up, right? Mm -hmm. Focusing on your craft, and it's so hard, but at the same time, it's right in front of you. You got to seize that opportunity and try to find others around you that can help you improve. And one of those situations that really helped you, and we've mentioned it twice now, is the Gary V situation when you were when Nick uh, mm -hmm. needed someone, and we've mentioned him, Nick McLaughlin, stationary astronaut. Shout out, Nick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Season two, episode uh, like 36? 30, 32. 32. I want to say it's 32. Mm -hmm. Yep. Great episode. Great mm -hmm. episode. Um, he wanted to sell tickets for his uh, get me Gary Gary V down get, get Mega Rivy get but Mega Rivy if you read it too quick down in Rochester. <laughs> our our roommate Matt's wearing the shirt right now. I was like, that's a perfect shirt to wear when Caleb's coming over today. Yeah. Um, get Mega Rivy. You offered your hand in service um, yep. to help out with this situation. Mm -hmm. Can you walk me through a little bit about that kind of experience? Um, the process of leading up to it, or uh, I guess what specifically? Let's let's tackle it from you offering your hand in service and kind of your mindset in that. Yeah. Well, one, I just wanted to be in. You know, I wanted to be involved, um, and I really try to always add as much value to like any relationship that I that I have, um, because of reciprocal altruism, which is a concept we can dive into in a second, but. Um, I try to just add as much value to any relationship as I have, um, knowing basically like what's good for the group is, is good for the individual. And um, so I was introduced to Nick. He was telling me about that event. And I just said, yeah, I want to be involved and I will do this for free because I just think that the type of people that are going to be involved in this event are the people that I want to know. Right. And I always want to try to um, be deliberate about my culture and the people that are around me. And so any opportunity that I hear of where it sounds like a different type of, or, a uh, 
a similar type of person that um, is motivated and um, is a hustler or is, you know, someone on the same path, I want to be there. So, yeah, my involvement was helping them sell the tickets, running the promotions, um, um, you know, along with along with uh, the social butterfly. Those guys did some some mm. uh, some of the ad work, too. But that's how I got in. And I certainly did meet so many interesting people. And that's I mean, I haven't been in Minnesota for all too long. I've been here four years, I think. And that um, some of the best connections and relationships that I have are from that event, which, you know, was just a year ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could say the same thing. Well, we could say the same thing. I mean, we had we got so many different podcast guests from that one day. Yeah. It was insane. It was Isn't like that amazing? Yam House, Giselle, Matt Weiss, Stationary Astronaut, Brandon Polozuk with Social Butterfly. Mm-hmm. Now we can add you to that list. That's right. And those even even those individual relationships expanded into different people that we've now had on the podcast, which people ask us like all the time, how do you get your guests? It's all based on the different people that we know mm-hmm. and the networks that they have and they and just kind of referrals or what we call challenges. Mm-hmm. That'll be a question we'll ask. But uh reciprocal altruism. You oh, said yeah. we'd expand on this and I didn't forget that. So I really <laughs> want to know what that means. Yeah, so that's a concept uh from biology. Um so reciprocal altruism is the term that describes like the way that a lot of herd animals behave in order to like function cohesively or effectively as a group. So like you take a colony of vampire bats, for example, um, you went there that I went there. Wow. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so, because that's a real species of bat and not just like a movie term. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the vampire bats, right. They really do go out and they eat blood. So they all leave the cave, go out, um, find an animal or like a person, depending on if they're in human form or not. Mm. So, so they go out, find, you know, find blood, drink the blood, come back into the cave. So what happens, they get back to the cave and maybe like their neighbor vampire bat um, didn't have any luck. He didn't get lucky tonight, right? So he's hungry. Of course, this bat, the bat that, um, you know, his belly's full, he's going to share the blood that he went and found because he's full, but his, but his neighbor isn't. So he's going to, he's going to, he's going to uh, share the wealth, right? That's part of reciprocal altruism is that you're giving something that you have to you know someone else where it doesn't benefit you right you're just giving it and then the other part is that you're not expecting it in return you're not it's not transactional it's not an iou it's just looking out so like hey i'm looking out for you because you're part of my you're part of my troop um troop you're part of my tribe you're part of my colony and someday like i'm not going to call in a favor but i might be hungry and I'm going to want someone to help me out, right? So, yeah, that reciprocal altruism, I read about that. Um, and I thought that that was so interesting, a way to like, I'm like, well, why don't I just live my life like that? Because I think that's a good way to go. Um, I'm not doing favors for people because I want like my ace in the hole that I'm going to call in later. I'm just, I have seen that like both in, you know, my family and my sports teams like any group that i'm a part of that is really like looking out for the best in interest of one another those are the groups that i appreciate being part of the most and those are the groups that i grow in the most and those are the groups i can go to like if i need something so i had to try to treat 
every relation relationship that way and every group that I am a part of that way. Just like I'm going to give as much as I can without expectations. And if the scenario comes that I need something, um, I will hope that, Hey, maybe somebody will look out for me too. So that's, that's like that, that concept. Is, mm-hmm. it, is that the episode title? <laughs> yeah reciprocal altruism yeah absolutely absolutely yeah <laughs> get locked in people will see them be like well all right click listen to this podcast yep. that's nuts i don't it's more simply put as giving without expecting anything in return right? yeah the basic the basic <laughs> way is like what's good for the herd is good for the individual exactly yeah, that's the simple and then way. like I've always, I mean, they, this is always preached by like a, like a David Meltzer or someone who just like preaches gratitude. And it's like, you get the most, when you give without expecting a return, you actually get more than anything that you would expect. Yeah. I just read this the other day. I think it was a Jim Rohn quote. He said, um, giving wait, Jim Rome or Jim Rome, Jim Rome, Jim Rome's burning. No, Jim, Jim Rome. We got Caleb <laughs> Indianapolis and he's burning, burning Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn, Rome, not to yeah. be confused. Yep. All right. Yeah. And he said, uh, like charity or giving, giving is the only thing where you can, um, you know, the only way to get more than what you have is by giving away more. Right. Hmm. Something like that. So it's like, that's the only way that you can, gain more than you have um is by giving more away um mm. because then it's not transactional right? right um because you, and you get more than you gave out right. ultimately not in terms of like i give you a dollar and you give me a dollar two dollars back but the satisfaction of like doing something unselfishly yeah. is it because you have to just kind of eliminate the transaction part of your brain like yeah i'm giving you something but that's that you just think of it for the action rather than the reaction. I think, I don't know if that's, I'm saying that right. Um, Cause I feel like a lot of people are like, they'll preach that. But at the same time, it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, I don't want to give away that much. You know, yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you some of this. And like, because they don't want you to take it and go run with it and then do something better than what they're doing. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I've, Here, I've, here's one sock. I'm not going to give you both to make sure both your feet are warm, but here, here's like, one, one, one foot will be warm. Here's one. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that, I don't know if that benefits anyone, but like they're only sock. giving you one sock so you don't run away with both shoes. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's what we're getting at, dude. Yeah, sorry. Absolutely. So you you do <laughs> yeah. analogies, so do we. So do yeah, we, and we right. we are average at our analogies. We're very, just, we're, we're very, very average. average. At it. Yeah, we, we're we're working on it. Yeah, we're we're, we're building, we're growing, we're growing, and we're we're, we're developing, developing as well. Yeah. It's a we're different one. It's tough. Um, <laughs> Well, one core question that we always ask, and this is kind of a great transition right here. Super good mm-hmm. transition. Uh, analogies, average quality. But mm-hmm. Caleb, we would like to know what your average quality is. Yeah, I was actually going to say analogies, um, but since that is taken, um, I'm going to say curiosity. Yep. And I and I think just the uh, like the real interest in understanding the way that things work, and I think that's been like it, it, it's the uh, I think curiosity is in its, it's basically like humility. It's like under, it's admitting I don't know something and I want to. Um, and that has been like one of the things that has helped me more than anything else in my life is by taking something. I'm like, well, I don't know shit about this topic, but I want to. And um, so I'm going to dive in. And I'm like, the more that I learn about um, this part, like the deeper that I want to go. And so, I think that's uh, 
has certainly certainly been super valuable. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like the more that you start at answering questions, like answers aren't the the end point. It's not the destination. Like to me, every answer that you get, it's like, oh, that just like leads me further down the rabbit hole. Um, and the answers are always just like the the doorway to uh, you know to something the next question to something else. Would mm-hmm. you say it's your average quality because sometimes you get too curious and then it's like, oh wait, mm-hmm. I gotta get back to the task or something. Yeah, so I think, um, or is it the knowledge that you have going in, before, and then the curiosity drives you to actually get better or be more knowledgeable? Um, no, I think a lot of different ways you can go. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, um, no, I certainly think it's the the curiosity. Okay, you know that's, I mean, and that's certainly held me back at times because like I go way too deep on something that's mm. really not that important to me, um, or that I spend way too much time on. But I don't know. I mean, how can you ever be disadvantaged by like knowing more about something? Might not be like effective for your goal, but it's just it's uh, it's something that can't help it. (laughs) Well, when you know all of this, all the items in the olive bar by (laughs) by name and by size and by price, then maybe you're too curious. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yo, maybe you need to chill out at that point. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) From from capers to green olives to pickles mm-hmm. are there more than that i don't know what are you overly curious about andrew the capers the capers that's what i learned no, 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 like no what do you oh what are yeah. you oh, like what do you I'm know underly, too much about what do i know too much about yeah uh how to play man-to-man coverage mm. in football <laughs> Yo, that is absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. especially like from and, the slot position it's like you yeah. and you and peyton manning you know yeah like, yeah breaking it down to the Nth degree. Nth degree. Mm-hmm. And, and it's in specifically in the slot position. In the slot mm-hmm. position. The third, yeah. the three man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> but Way did, too but much. where did that come from? I just, I had to learn that to a T if I was going to be able to perform on the football field. Because yeah. I wasn't athletic enough. So I had to be overly curious about my footwork. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And it's just the way the cookie crumbled on that one. What are you overly curious about? Because uh, I know you asked me, so I would ask you. No, that's not true. Okay. And that's not true at all, <laughs> bro. <laughs> <laughs> what are you overly curious about, dude? Uh, dude, I think I'm I'm overly curious with like how to make a good Insta- Instagram post. I get yeah. way too fucking obsessed with it, dude. Well, like it I shows spend... though, because you are you know that's a you're a craftsman at it for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm, like I hate to say that I do spend like two hours on like a back end show post with the three of us goofballs just that, that you post on a Saturday that gets no impressions. That gets no impressions. No one's dude. on their phone on Saturday. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like I spent like two and a half hours on a post mm-hmm. on the Saturday on Easter Saturday. Yeah. Like no one's gonna tune into that, but then people did and it was cool. Mm-hmm. But I didn't make it <laughs> I didn't make it for like the point of like if this doesn't convert I'm be pissed. I was yeah. just like I'm making this because like I think this is hilarious that it's my brother's birthday. I'm posting about how I put him as the only beneficiary on my life insurance. I yeah. thought that was hilarious. <laughs> like, <laughs> well worth the time. Right. Sure. And like I sent it to him and like in the episode description too, mm-hmm. um, he, he said like all of his friends subscribed because he sent it to him. And then in the description, I'm like, Aiden, if you're reading this, please t- tune into um, timestamp 2445, uh, happy birthday or something yeah. like that. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I'm way too curious about it because like, I don't know. There's always just, there's always one new thing that you can learn on Adobe Premiere, which mm-hmm. is what we use to edit our posts or mm-hmm. always one new thing that you can learn about Instagram or a hashtag or 
something. But it's yeah. all what's cool is like it's all empirical. Like you can put objective mm-hmm. measurables to it now. And I don't yeah. think Andrew and I do that enough, but mm-hmm. we definitely are we're learning. We're I learning, think. and that's why you're helping us out, which yeah. is sick. That's mm-hmm. I think maybe that's a good question. I, that's a question I always uh, ask when I'm like hiring people. Mm. Is tell me about like what you are most curious about. Like what's the thing that you read about the most? Um, you know, like for me, like might be cast iron, like old cast iron cook uh, cooking utensils or like um, skillets, right? I mean, it's such a random, obscure thing that like means nothing to anybody. But I'm always curious about people that are curious. Um, I always want to know people that I'm hiring have an interest in something, right? That they're curious, that there are things that they pursue. Uh, because I think what you're curious about like shows what you value, um, right. which is because you want to you want to win right mm-hmm. on the football team or you want to win you want to win on instagram or you want to well, really do uh, yeah. well at that i guess the yeah the reason that i really like doing it is because i really want people i want like so i want to make an impact on someone mm-hmm. to have that tied to something that overall i'm really passionate about which mm-hmm. is like podcasting in the back pocket yeah like if i can make just like a lasting impression on someone just from that video alone because mm-hmm. i made them laugh or told them about my life insurance like that's mm-hmm. gonna stick with them right yeah that's, so I, that's, that's i mean that's kind of why i do most things like i went i uh in the airport i was uh we were getting ready to take off and i was just like i just saw everyone on their phones and i was tuned into a podcast i was like what if i airdropped my podcast the back pocket to everybody in this airplane right now <laughs> that's see that made me Dude, laugh too <laughs> it was hilarious like everyone declined it but just the fact that like 80 people just got like a notification saying like mm-hmm. Declan wants to share the back pocket with you. They're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Decline. No. Decline. Yeah. I was just like, oh, that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. You should just start showing up in public places, going to, going to, um, soccer games and twins games and just start airdropping everybody. Airdropping everyone. Well, the reason I got, the reason I got the idea was when we Bar were still Cowboy Jacks. Oh, that too. But before that, even okay. my brother and sister. So my two, I have two younger sisters that are at in high school, mm-hmm. and they're in like the iPad program mm-hmm. at school. So everybody has iPads, oh. all the teachers and everything. And yeah. my little sisters, like kids, will make memes on their iPads and then um, airdrop it to all the kids in the class next to them. <laughs> yeah. And like teachers will have their iPads out and then like the airdrop will come up on the screen and oh it'll be God. like a stupid meme and everybody will laugh. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's hilarious. Like airdropping is like a real thing in high school. They just That's like hilarious. airdrop random stuff to each yeah. other. To yeah. Everybody. It's absurd. You, you can learn from the youth, right? You can learn from the youth. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do. That's what this podcast is about. Yeah. You're very youthful. Yeah. Yeah. So we hired an intern. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Thank you, Sam. You're crushing it, Sam. Um, kind of trapping the puck and transition into so that was your average quality but this is something that you carry in your back pocket mm-hmm. um and this is when uh pressure becomes stress and anxiety is rising you take this out of your back pocket to overcome it so caleb what's in your back pocket that is an outline you know like just a, uh, a blank document where i start out an outline mm. um and because you know anytime that has been challenging in my life where i've been overwhelmed where it's like been make or break or i had to like just no matter what make things happen i just take it whatever my problem is and i break it down in an outline i mean that sounds so stupid but um but you you like so you're physically writing out an outline of how you're gonna attack this situation usually on like a google doc um but from like learning internet marketing that just started out as like 
I'm writing down some definitions to words I don't know and then like, okay, well, these words all are similar, so I'm going to group those together. These concepts are similar. Uh, I think an outline is just like the best tool in the whole world because it makes you understand like how things all relate to each other, right, in the hierarchy of things. But for when things are stressful, it's basically the it's the tool that is the extension of like a Henry Ford quote that says, no job is too big if you break it down into small enough parts. And that just like resonated with me. And I have always used that. And I, that's why I am not afraid of like to try anything. And I think I can do anything because I take big, big, scary, like daunting, impossible things. And even like an average person like myself can take that outline and once I've broken it down to the level where I'm like, oh, well, this is just the sum of all of these small parts and like any random one of these random small parts, like even I can do. Mm. And mm. It makes it just makes it doable. It's phenomenal. Mm. I have a question about that. Yeah. So when you're stressed out yeah. and you finish the outline, mm-hmm. um, A, are you like less stressed out just by doing that action? Yeah. Okay. And then B, do you ever like look back and figure out what one thing was really the driver behind the stress or was it mm. the big daunting thing that was stressful and then after you unpacked it it was like oh that was super stressful that one big thing but now that i have 20 small yeah. tasks that's much easier 100 percent. like that's that's the tool i use for to overcome procrastination too mm. like we have a big paper like we keep putting it off because it feels like too big to manage right and we're afraid of it but then when you break it down then it feels easy right um so I think that's a that's a super good practice. And ultimately, so that the psychology, so that's the technology is outline, right? Google Doc or a piece of paper, whatever. Then the psychology is that motivation is a formula that is value times likelihood, right? So motivation meaning like my drive to do something. So when I procrastinate, I'm not motivated. And it's because you know, the likelihood part of it is like, this feels like this big giant thing that's overwhelming and scary. And the value is that, um, you know, the value that describes that lack of motivation in that scenario would be, um, well, I like comfort or I like, um, you know, doing things that are easy. So when you take a big scary task and you break it down into small parts, it makes the likelihood that you're going to be able to do it very high, hmm. right? And then if you have the value, like meaning that you like want to get that task done or like the end result, then you have all the motivation you need, right? Because it this is something I can do and it's something that's important to me and that is motivation. So, mm-hmm. And it's like more practical too when it's a smaller task. Yep. You can kind of see like a like a feasible and and not end result but like yeah you can almost visualize doing it yep it's like people you they will uh losing 100 pounds or like making like 10 million dollars that might be overwhelming and people never try because they don't think it's believable or likable you know that's not likely for them yeah but if you could show them like hey here's what you do for three hours every day and you will get there if you just do it like if it's important enough to them they we'll have the motivation to do it. You know what helps us yeah. motivate ourselves What's is that? a good old fashioned challenge. Mm. Yeah. And this is when we are 
starting to we're trying to tap into Caleb's network and yep. we're trying to grow our brand. Um, and we realize, you know, you got plenty of people out there that you'd like to see on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So we're curious if there's someone that you're like, hey, back pocket, mm-hmm. we I challenge you to accomplish this person to come on your show. Yeah, I'll tell you what. This is someone that I don't know super well, but it's someone that I used to play flag football with when I was a kid. Hmm. And uh, so he's an educator in Indiana, but he's going on to do some really, really interesting stuff. And I've been really just fascinated with the work that he's doing. And I would challenge you guys to talk to him. His name is Don Wetrick. Yeah. Don Wetrick. He is changing the way that high schools work. Like from the grassroots, just from the grassroots, like structure, education, structure, education. So he does this program where he lets high schoolers do whatever they want to do. What? Like he lets them study whatever they want to study, like pursue the things that interest them and actually like try and learn and fail and, you know, just be like a, a student of life. Cause that's like how things work. That's how my life works. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, the, the stuff I learned about, um, biology in school might be good for like, you know, bar talk or, um, conversation piece about like reciprocal altruism, but the stuff that I'm making a living at, the things that are, you know, really central to my life are things that I learned on my own because I was given the space where I made space to, to just go learn about it. So Don Wetrick would be a really interesting person to talk to. Um, and is I would be really, here or he's he in at? Indianapolis. Cool. Yep. Oh yeah, we might have to fly him out here. At the moment, yeah, mm-hmm. we can do that. That's yeah. not a problem. That's on the company card. We could also just Skype him. <laughs> we could also just call him. Yeah, but we could also get him here. Yeah, in mm-hmm. that chair. Yeah, yeah that would be that, great on the sectional. I do not. No. Uh, no. Good question, Sam. No. Is that, is that a Parks and Rec reference? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's. Yeah. Is she a real character? No. A real. Thought you're not into. Thought you're not into. I thought you don't do fake. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is she from Indianapolis? The the, the Pup, show is is set in Indianapolis or uh, in oh, Indiana. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know. But it, it is like Pawnee. Yeah. It's very it is very true to life like any town in Indiana. Really? Oh, yeah. They do a good job with. Yeah. Okay. Cuz like going up to the big city of Indianapolis, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Dude, that's nuts. So has he how long is that the uh, what's the guy's name again? Sorry. Don Wetrick. Okay, how long has he been doing this school system for? Um I'm just curious. I don't it's think uh, awful long time, like in, maybe in the last handful of years. Okay. But I, yeah, so my my cousin actually works with him on that organization or one of his like nonprofits. But okay. um, I just have been so interested in what they're doing, and I think it's something that's so important and important to me. Um, I think it'd be fascinating for your show and for your audience. Okay, mm-hmm. sweet. Big Love fan. That. That'll feed right into our audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then another question, or lack thereof, mm. um, we've been hammering you and pestering you, peppering you with questions for uh, how long we've been going for about now. an hour yeah. About, yeah. about an hour yep yeah hour 10 mm-hmm. um do you have any questions for us i do yeah so we we're talking about motivation mm. and it being like value and likelihood so what in thinking about the like the things that motivate you guys tell me about like the thing that you value most like what is the what is the idea that if it didn't exist you know, your motivation to like per- pursue this podcast and be on this mission would go away. Like, what do you value about it? Oh, that's wow. a great question. If it so, and the way you framed it too, because no one's ever done that. If it was gone, you're saying like it would the, la- it, our motivation would 
deteriorate rapidly mm-hmm. if this was pulled away from the podcast if this oh reason this, this one value, thing yeah oh yeah so instead of pulling the podcast away no it's the it's one pulling thing the one thing within the podcast away that keeps yeah. us floating or another um, another yeah. way to look at it is like what is like the compliment or the story that you hear that like validates this reason more than it. anything else mm. I mean, for starters, the floral chairs, you take these out of this room and I have no value anymore. Like, That's no amazing. reason to do this podcast. No mm-hmm. um, man, but, like, I've, I've said it a couple of times, but just, like, you. Like, mm-hmm. you take you out of this, out of the back pocket and you take the conversation mm-hmm. aspect. Like, if you just told us we couldn't have conversations with other people. Yeah. Then I would be like, I don't really want to do this. I could see that. Yeah, and the way you said that too made me think the structure. If someone mm. even even not took away but added, it said you had to do it this way. Yeah, or you're you're pulling you, we're pulling you off. If we had to, yeah. If someone's if we didn't have the freedom, the freedom. If, if you took away our freedom to be a, a pair of knuckleheads with no real structure to the back pocket, yeah, and made it into a. A, sh- a sphere that we didn't want it to be if they shape. put us in a box yeah mm-hmm. i don't think we'd like not that. to dominate the yeah. sandbox but <laughs> yeah yeah but you're you're <laughs> saying like the, the the freedom to be able to pivot and mm-hmm. go different ways the way we see our brand wanting to formulate essentially yeah. yes. right like we're not uh, yes i think that's really what it comes down to mm-hmm. um like i love that freedom because mm-hmm. it lets us get on whoever guessed right like one mm-hmm. thing that we andrew and i have always kind of stayed away from was like hey you guys got a niche down to like only interview certain types of people or stay in one topic and you'll dominate it and then make mm-hmm. a ton of money it's like yeah okay but like the curiosity mm-hmm. in one instance would that would kill me like i love i i love talking to just people from mm-hmm. all walks of life yeah and that's like a a uh dying opportunity like an increasingly rare opportunity like in our culture we have like so much more superficial interactions but like the things that give a lot of people like just that give them life and energy and meaning is like having real conversations with people and i think that's probably i can see the value in that it's it's a mindful it's Mm -hmm. kind of a mindful release Mm -hmm. because you're not on your phone you're not like you said it's not very superficial but it's Mm -hmm. very deep yeah it's one person yeah and you're just trying to go as far down that that rabbit hole yeah right Mm -hmm. like it's that i mean like you said kind of going full circle like Mm -hmm. andrew and i the fuel source of this of like the conversation and how it sounds and Mm -hmm. how interesting it is to other people is how curious that andrew and i get for that first 40 minutes before (laughs) i even ask you what your average quality is yeah and the other the other part would be, and you just said it right there, and without even realizing it, is if Declan wasn't here, mm-hmm. I'm done. Sure, he is prob like out to outside of all the freedom and all of that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not anywhere without this man. So yeah. I'd say the same with, about about yeah. Andy Andy Fuel Source over here. Yeah, yeah. Decky Fuel Source. So that's <laughs> and, another sweet. and Sam and Sam. We yeah. can't forget about you, yeah. dude. Shout out intern Sam. It's bulking season yeah. for Sam, and I would not be anywhere without yeah. you bulking. Yeah. Just so thing. that's the back pocket in that show. But thanks for that question. Great yeah, question. That's a freaking awesome yeah. question. Beautiful. I love that. Sweet. Wait, what, so what, what, what your, uh, how do I even phrase this? I want to put yeah. it back on you. I'm just curious. Mm. Yeah. So I actually came, I came up with like this life motto a long time ago, and I think it's still applicable. So I still live by it. But for me, like the value is um, described in this motto, which is that at the end of the day, 
all I want is like a crowded funeral with eulogies that last for hours. You know, I just want to meet a lot of people and make a connection enough to like have a meaningful relationship or impact and then, you know, do cool stuff, try interesting things enough to, you know, experience life in a way that people have a lot of really fun stories to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The interaction between a lot of people mm-hmm. that they felt impactful enough to share that at your funeral type type thing. Yep. Yeah. The I legacy. Mean, the that, legacy. The legacy. Yeah. Good for you. I love that. That's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. And then oof, it's a tough transition, but it is a transition nonetheless <laughs> to our final question. Yeah. And this is a question, a uh, simple question. What did you learn today from the moment that you woke up to when we're having this conversation? Hmm. Um, this is like something that's kind of silly, but it was game changing. I learned how to word wrap a document instead of having to scroll left to right. You know what word wrap is, mm-hmm. right? I never knew how to do that. Like Excel or what? Like anything. No, no. I knew how to do it in Excel, like in a, in a single Excel? field, yeah. right? But like I look at code all the time, like in a notepad or like whatever, and I just have to scroll or you know oh you're kidding yeah well if it's a if it's a code i'll put it in like a code editor and so i can you know see it in a more manageable format but that was just like someone showed me that like wait how how did you do how did you get that all in one pane it's just like something i never stopped to think is there a better way to do this which is a terrible practice. That's why you should always think like, is there a better way to do this? Mm, that's <laughs> always be curious. Yeah. Always be curious. Always be curious. ABCs. I'd say that all the yeah. time. Oh, yeah. dang dude. Or yeah. always be closing as well. Yeah. Well, that's, I told people when I was training salespeople, I, I would say we're going to do the ABCs of sales or yeah. ABCs of sales. And if you say always be closing, you're fired. It's always be curious, Ooh, you know? Like okay. Because Flip the, it more, on yeah. Yeah. the more you understand people, the more you're able to communicate to them. And that's just mm. a different idea of selling. Hey, Glenn, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, <laughs> yeah. you're wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but also like going to your point, like mm-hmm. that's why it's great having like an Andrew mm-hmm. because when I'm doing something and I like just say like an Instagram post, for example, like mm-hmm. I'll do a post this way, have success and then maybe not have success another time. But then Andrew will always look at it a different way mm-hmm. and then I can learn so much from how he approached it and how he's efficient and then that we like we're always constantly collaborating Mm -hmm. uh how to be better at that one thing or always finding a a new efficient route i guess amen yeah yeah freaking awesome dude that's the awesome thing about being like a collaborative environment yep Mm -hmm. like again like the herd is is uh it's the collective brain trust right uh the sum is bigger than its parts Mm. um or wait, the whole is bigger than the sum of its parts. That's what it is. Boom. The whole is bigger than like just adding all of those things up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's freaking <laughs> deep, dude. What a great way to end it, though. Cool. Absolutely. Thanks for coming out, Caleb. Yes, sir. Sirs, it's been awesome.